Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Well, let me just recap. We're in a series called Abide, and uh, we start off the very end, verse 11, where Jesus said, the reason I'm teaching you these things in John 15 is that, you would have, that my joy would be your joy. I think that's a great trade-off. Lord, I would love to have your joy in my life. We need that. And so then we go back to the beginning, and it starts with, well, if you want my joy, the very first thing Jesus says, I'm divine. I'm the source of that. And last uh, week, we talked about how Jesus is the source, but God is the gardener. Like we are in his garden, he protects us and cares for us and wants to help us become strong and healthy and to know joy. And today we're going to talk about the fact that God is a gardener who prunes the branches. Back in my first pastorate, um, it was a a a small rural church, and things were maybe not quite as busy, and so I had more time to do things I like, like visiting, and I would even help the farmers with their chores. And they, I got so good at a couple of doing the chores for a couple of farmers that they would ask me to do them while they're away on holidays. They trusted me that much, imagine that. And uh, one of the farmers, Cliff, a good friend, uh, he and his wife would go away and I would do their chores, and Cliff loved his animals. He loved his cattle, and the barn he had a radio playing 24-7. But it was country and western music. <laughs> so the first thing I did when I went in that barn to do his chores for the week is I turned that station. <laughs> the cows loved it. <laughs> they would wag their tails and look at me, and I swear they would go... <laughs> <laughs> but they saw me coming, oh, a week without country and western music. Well, so some Christian rock or classic rock or something would be playing and there for the week and then when I finished they would go back to their country and western until next time they saw me but one of the uh, one of the farmers had cattle but he also had uh, apple orchards up in Blue Mountain a lot of apple orchards in that area thornberry and so forth and I remember one spring him asking me could I come and help him prune one of these these orchards and there's still a bit of snow in the ground and uh, so I said yeah and so he went ahead of me with a chainsaw cutting off limbs of these precious trees that were his income. And then I would follow up with these pruners and tell me, prune off these limbs or prune back these limbs. And you would look at the bottom of the tree, which seemed like death, like limbs, like big limbs and branches. And, and you think, why are we killing your income? Why are we killing these trees? He says, no, we're not. We're, we're there. We are going to take off those who aren't producing who are, and, and those who are producing we're going to cut back. And it will there'll be more. And sure enough, I went back later in the fall, and what a healthy, beautiful apple orchard that was with great apples. And because we understand that process of pruning and the necessity of it, how we need to do that to bear more fruit, God uses that analogy to talk to you and I about our life with him. And I know, I know this, that it's God's goal for your life and my life is that we would become fruitful. Amen. That is, you and I would use these years we have been given on earth to grow and reflect more and more the character and the attitude and the mission of his son, Jesus Christ, the source of our life. I know God isn't interested in just, us just faithfully showing up in his garden 
He is at work in our lives, but more than this, God desires that we would be fruitful. We must be fruitful, and I know that because Jesus tells us this in his teaching. He cuts off, that is God, the Father, every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. And there are two kinds of branches here in Jesus' teaching. Those who don't produce fruit... And those who do, he keeps it really simple for us. And notice how the two type of branches mentioned have two very different outcomes. Branches that are cut off and branches bearing uh, uh, fruit are pruned back to produce more fruit. There are two different extremes. The life of one is ended and the life of others just beginning. And in both cases, pruning is involved. The cut, there's cutting involved. There's, there's this intervention of God in the lives of these branches. And there's cutting and it hurts. However, one is temporary. Amen. For the purpose of producing more fruit. The other, however, it would seem to us final and only produces separation yes. from the vine. One is like having your arm cut off. The other is just like your mom taking a sliver out of your finger. It hurts for just a moment but it's so you can do and be healthier. There are two types of branches in Jesus' teaching, and we, you and I, we have the freedom. He gives us the freedom to choose which kind of branch we'll be in this life. As a branch, we ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life. In faith, we abide in him, he in us. We are faithful in reading his word. We are faithful in becoming part of God's church where we receive his teaching. But here's the thing. As we abide in Jesus and in his word, he will present to us these areas, these places where we need to change in our character and our attitude to more, be more like him, to reflect who he is because he is attached, he's pushing into us his source of life and we are this and he wants to change. Jesus coming in our life changes you. That's the fruitful part. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Jesus gives himself into our life, and we change to reflect him. It's very simple math. Even I understand this math. Vine plus branch equals fruit. Simple. But what if we choose not to produce fruit? What if Jesus speaks to us and challenges us and gives us a word, and we go through the motions of being a tree branch, but we choose not to bear the fruit, the source that he's giving us? Jesus tells us very simply, and it's very sobering, and God the Father cuts off the branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And notice Jesus says, these are my people. I'm talking about people who belong to me. He refers to them as these branches of mine. They're abiding in me. I'm abiding in them. These people identify themselves with me, but they're not willing to become and change and bear the fruit that I'm offering them. So they're cut off. Amen. As a branch about to be cut off, a person protests, but I'm a branch. I show up every day to this tree. I believe in this tree. I believe in its existence. I believe it produces fruit. I receive the same sun as the other branches. I'm watered just like the other branches. I receive the same fertilizer as the other branches receive. I am faithful, but the point is we must be more than faithful. God says I need you to be fruitful. And I'm going to speak in your life. And if you're not willing to receive what I'm speaking in your life and change then you'll be cut off. Because gardeners don't plant gardens for the sake of plants just existing. Well, there's a nice stalk. They garden with the hope that their plants will be fruitful. And God didn't save me. He didn't save you just so we can say, I'm here. 
I'm in the garden putting in my time. God desires and works that you'd be fruitful. Now, we read this morning that interesting account of where Jesus curses a fig tree. And it it intrigues me because it doesn't seem like a fair thing for Jesus or a kind thing for Jesus to do. And I wonder, why did he do that? Why did Jesus do that? I can tell you now the answer is very simple. It's because of a sandwich. Really, it is. We read earlier this morning this part The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Now this happened in April when the fig tree comes into leaf. But it doesn't produce fruit fruit until June. So why did Jesus do this? Why did he go expecting to find something to eat. Well, in April, the fig tree is in leaf, but they also have this little crop of smaller edible fruit called tash, which is um, a sign of fruit to come. And they would eat that. It was a promise of fruit. This tree, this tree is going to bear fruit. And Jesus found, all he found were leaves. And this is where the sandwich comes into play. We, you know, we're going to do a little seminary today, okay? This is a little seminary school, so we're going to do a little theological thing this morning that I find intriguing. Um, and it's one that Mark, the gospel writer Mark, uses quite often. It's a technique called the Markin sandwich. It's a literary device Mark uses to put two teachings around a teaching. The main point, he'll start with this A, and B is the main point, and he goes back to A again. So what we're going to do, kids, students, we're going to look at two slices of bread framing the main idea. So in one slice of bread is the cursing of the fig tree, which we just looked at. Jesus sees the fig tree. He curses it. Well, why would he do that? And then the C part, the other part of the side of the bread, is the withering of the fig tree. Later, Jesus and disciples come across that fruitless tree, and Peter says, look, it's withered. It's died. So those are the two slices of bread framing the point that, that Jesus, that Mark really wants us to understand, and that is the, the meat of the sandwich, and it's the clearing of the temple. We read, the next morning as they passed by the fig tree, he cursed it, but then the very, uh, the, the, the central part is this. Now, I don't know if I have this on the slide. Nope. So let me read it for you. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple, began to drive up people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. Then he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said, the scripture declares, my temple will be called the house of prayer for all nations. But you've turned into a den of thieves. So Jesus went to the temple and found merchants selling animals for people to use, as I explained. They sold them, sell them at exuberant prices. The temple is known as a house of prayer, a place where God is worshipped and people are turning into something to take advantage of people for their own advantage. And by cursing the fig tree, Jesus is showing his anger at religion without substance. He puts that fig tree on either side of that teaching for a purpose. His words to the fig tree would be applied to the people of Israel. And it's beautiful temple, fruitful in appearance, looks beautiful, only Israel was simply barren. And he approached the temple expecting fruit, but just found leaves. And just as the fig tree looked good from a distance, but was fruitless on close examination, so the temple, oppressive at first glance, 
were hollow because they were not there to worship God sincerely. So what does fruitfulness look like in the one who abides in Christ? The type of fruit, the meat that Jesus wants to produce in your life is a Christ-like character. And I know that because he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. If you abide in him, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you abide in Jesus and and he abides in you, this is the outcome. This is the result. This is who you're becoming. And we read Galatians 5, 22 and 23 so many times, I know I have, that we know it, it's good teaching. We say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get a poster of this and put it on my wall. It's good teaching. But God wants to be more than a good teaching. He doesn't want to say, look at that. Well, that's a good teaching. No, he says, I want to put this in your, whoops, in your life. I want this to be who you are. Not just good teaching separate, but something that's in you. This is who you are. You are, because the Holy Spirit is going to produce this in you. If you receive what I'm giving you, this is what you're going to become. You're going to grow in love. Your joy is going to increase. My joy will be your joy. You're going to be a person of peace and patience. Even Mark Royal will have patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You may look uh, at that list. And understand that, that when you do this, that you're pleasing the Father, the gardener. And you, could, you know, and you may look at this list, and I think we're just going to meditate on this for a little bit in a moment. Sam's going to put on some, some music. But I want you to look at that verse and ask yourself, am, am I loving well? God, speak to me. You know, it, am I exemplifying the joy that, that is yours? Am I peaceable? Am I patient? Do you find, am I being gentle like Christ? Am I being kind to others, showing your goodness? Am I being humble? Am I, am I controlling myself? Are there areas you want to talk to me about? If not, then say, Lord, you have permission to prune me so that I may grow and become who you'd have me to be and I'd be effective in advancing your kingdom I'm going to reflect on this for a moment. Let me just share this with you. To understand when we reflect the mission or the the character and the attitude of Christ, which we'll talk about, mission is accomplished. It's interesting that someone in, in our church came up to me and said, I have, I think it was last week, I have a word for you, get ready. God is about to do something. It'll be messy. It's always messy, but get ready. Amen. And then at the same time, Glenda has felt the need to get a, a follow-up discipleship program ready for people who accept Christ. And she's working on that right now. So when someone, we were, so someone comes to accept Jesus, we're ready. We're going, oh, what do we do now? And then God really impressed upon me the very same time. It was actually uh, a week ago last Wednesday that we need to start praying for lost people. 
And we started in the prayer start group this morning. Part of our prayer start at 915 is we pray for the service and Sunday school. But said, now we're going to start praying for lost people. And share us the names of people that we're praying for specifically. Because there is a heaven. There is an eternity with God. And there is a hell eternity without God. And I know how I, I just, I can't, someone's challenged me this in their life group. How can we just sit and not do anything? Or do I not care about these people? Yes, we do. So let's start praying for them. So it's not a coincidence that one person comes and says, get ready. Another says, I feel I need to follow up with a discipleship program for people who accept Christ. And then God says, get, you know, you got to start praying for lost people. And in her preparation, Glenda contacted someone we know who recently accepted Christ and said, what were you looking for? What, what was attractive? What brought you to this place? And they basically said this. I noticed in the Christians, fruit. I noticed that they had this something that I didn't have. There was this optimism, she would say. There was this integrity that they had. There was this hope that they had. And I wanted what they had, and, and that was Christ in yes. them. So understand, when we let God prune us to become more like Jesus and his character, and our attitude as well, folks, on his praiseworthy folk, you know, people will notice and come to him. Not because of our building, not because of the preacher, not because of the music, not because of the program. Those are all good and should support that, but because they see Jesus. Amen. And they need him and want him. So I'm going to ask us to meditate a little bit on Galatians 5, on this verse on the screen, and ask Jesus, ask the Lord, where do you need to speak to me? What area that would you want to talk to me today? We'll take a few minutes. So just focus, be quiet yourselves, pray to God, give him permission to speak into your life at this time. You know, I'll play the music.
God want to talk to you about patience and kindness. life exuberant, exuberate goodness, Christ's goodness, as it evident in you. Is there a place God's saying, I need you to be more faithful? I want you to be, you need to be. Is the Lord talking about gentleness in your life? You know there's areas that where you can reflect his kind, gentle way. And self-control. Come under his authority. Under his direction and withhold and need to withhold. Not to respond quickly. Not to be enticed by sin that pleases for a moment. But to remember God. To be holy as He is. To be set apart for His purposes. God, examine our hearts. And is any offensive way in me, in us, pointed out? Where would you have us to be more like Christ? Where are we, where do you find us growing? Encourage us in those areas. Where, Lord, are we needing to be pruned back to be more fruitful? When I was praying over that scripture, thanks, Sam. I, this thought came to me. I was mindful that in Jesus' day, sinners liked to be with Jesus. Did you ever notice that? Sinners flocked to be with him. Incredible. Instead of running away and being angry, they, they would want to come. And I just thought, if we had these things in us, The sinners may like being around us because they see something and want something that we as Christians have. I can show you what lives look like that don't abide in Christ, and I guess we need to look at these two and be aware of these so we know. It says in the same chapter, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. 
And then Jesus makes this very clear again about the cutting off. Let me tell you again, as I, or at least Paul does, I've said before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's sobering. That tells me I want to get my house in order. I haven't arrived yet, but I want to become more and more like Christ and giving him permission to speak in my life and prune where he needs to prune. And you may look at that list and say, well, drunkenness, I don't struggle with that, so, whew. But how are you dealing with outbursts of anger in your life? You may look at that as a sorcery. I mean, come on, that's not a problem. I don't struggle there, so, huh. But God may say, well, how are you dealing with dissension and causing division? How are you in entertaining lustful pleasures? So, so, such a challenge in this world. That's character. And what does fruitfulness look like, one who abides in Christ? Well, we have his character, but we also reflect his attitude. In Philippians 2, it says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. This is Paul speaking to the church, to us. Loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. I find it interesting in John 17, just after the teaching of the vine and the branches, God, Jesus has praised his father. And it's a prayer that he's hoping you and I today, not just back in the day, but today we would answer on his behalf. Jesus prays this. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, those who are with him now, also, but for also for all who will ever believe in me through their message, even those at the gate on October 6, 2019. I pray that they will all be one. Amen. Just as I and you, Heavenly Father, are one. You are in me. Amen. Father, and I'm in you. That's the abide. Amen. That's what we want to do with Christ. And may they, may the gate, may they be one in us so the world will believe you sent me. You see important again? The result is when we get the character right or the attitude right, the world, the mission is done. The world will know that Jesus is real because they see it in you. They see it in our church. There isn't dissension or division. There's love. There's gentleness. There's kindness. If we had the attitude of Christ, unity with other followers would be so evident. And I say, Jesus, your prayer is worth answering. I pray to you all the time, answer this prayer, but you're praying that I would answer this. And I would say, yes. Yes, yes God. So as unpleasant as pruning may be to the branch, there are just very quickly, and I mean very quickly, don't, do not fret. There are three reasons God, gardened, uh, God our gardener does our pruning, and they're for our benefit. So just, just be mindful of these things in your notes. First of all, pruning signifies the providence of God. It reminds us of God's divine intervention. God is at work in your life. When you abide in him and he in you, he will be speaking into your life. Amen. I do devotions every morning with a few men uh, over online. And, and it's just amazing how challenging. Sometimes it's in my face. And I confess, this is hard. This is not easy for me, guys. This is, this is God speaking to me in this area. But I want to be honest and transparent and say I need to work in this area. God will intervene. He loves you that much. It tells us God has a plan for you. Isn't that exciting? Yes. He's intervening. He cares for you. Isn't that exciting? Which of us doesn't want the kind, sovereign hand of God orchestrating our lives? So God, intervene. Prune away. <laughs> Secondly, pruning increases the productivity. 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 <laughs> I almost got it. Of God's people. 
He wants us to be productive and effective. He didn't just say, come and show up. He said, no, come and be fruitful. All of you are, we are, like I was saying the other night, that last night, we, we are a family. We are, we are a body, and we need what you bring. You bring something that I don't bring. So we need, you know, you bring something where we can be productive as a church if, if it were not for you. And so be productive in your life. Be productive in your life. Let God prune you so you can be fruitful. He prunes a branch that it may bear more fruit. That's the purpose to the pain. It's painful, but there's purpose in it. Everyone must choose one or two pains. You know that? The pain of discipline or the pain of regret. When you choose the pain of discipline, it's short-lived. It becomes productive. But if you ignore it, then someday you will have the pain of regret. I missed it. I'm cut off. It's finished. There's two pains that you and I will always face. Either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Amen. Allowing God to prune us now that we may be fruitful and productive is far better than the pain of one day knowing we ignored it. And we're cut off and separated. And finally, pruning facilitates the purification of God's people. See, God's word is the pruning tool. His Holy Spirit works through his word. Hallelujah. He molds us to become the image of Christ through his word. And the next verse following our text today, Jesus says this. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Whoops, did I not? I didn't say that. There's, a, there's, a, there's this holiness, this cleansing, this set apart. I'm cleansing you with my word. Pruning rids the branch of the unneeded and unfruitful shoots that saps its productivity. Likewise, God uses season of pain sometimes in our life and the truth in his word to cleanse us from what hinders us from fullness. I, I was really, I really enjoying our life group. And I think the last two weeks I've noticed we've been sharing stories from our life. And I like it because I get to know people better in our church. And it's interesting how we shared, and this is consistent. You can ask somebody in my life group if you think I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. But the, close, the times I've been closest to God was in our pain. People said, when I went through this trial, when I went through this storm, when I went through this time of pain, I was closest with God. Hallelujah. So God, you know, may use those times that you may be more productive and closer to him. I don't think he'll cause them, but he will use them. He'll bring good, as we said last week, or good out of the bad. So I just want to encourage you today are you aware of anywhere God's pruning in your life? Well, he should be. He's, he's always talking. And I'd like to encourage you to remain patient through it. Let God have his perfect work in your life. And later you will rejoice in a season of greater fruitfulness. We must be faithful. Amen. You can't be fruitful if you're not faithful. It's not one or the other. You be faithful, but don't stop there. Lead it into being fruitful. That's what God is saying.
Father, thank you for your truth. Thank you, God, that you care for us and love us enough that you prune, that you intervene in our lives, God. And Lord, as we grow more in the character and the attitude of Christ, I just know, Lord, that people are going to come to you because they see that it's real, it's true, it's not fake, it's not put on, there's no hidden agenda, it's just truth. And a truth that they would want for their life, God. So I pray for those who, who are lost that we're thinking of, God. I pray, God, for people in our city, in our community, in our families, in our circle of influence, God. We pray that they would come to know you and also abide in you because they see the source at work in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship team will come. Oh, we're going to have communion. Sorry. I almost forgot that. And let me not forget. I forget this every time. Today is going to be the first time I'm not going to forget. We have an offering that goes with communion. Uh, it's, it's the um, benevolent offering. And we use this to help people when they're in need. Uh, and so just, if you don't have to participate in this, it's just, I always call it no pressure, just pleasure. If you want to participate in this. So that's just if you'd like to. It does get used. We use it to help people from time to time. You may participate in that if you would like. But I want to talk about communion today. Do you know that throughout the world right now, people have met a meeting like you and I. And they have heard a sermon. Um, Though from the Bible, it would be a different message every time, a lot of them. They would have sang songs as we did, but some maybe, you know, mostly different songs that we sang. But a lot of those churches, even not very far, I, I know one thrilled right now is having communion. We, have, we come together and we share with other brothers and sisters around the world what Jesus has done for us, and we do it the same way. We do it the way Jesus instructed us to. And he says, I want you as my believers and followers to come and receive this and remember what I have done, what I am doing, and will do for you in your life. And so he took the cup, and it represents his blood that was shed for you. And the bread represents his body, which was broken for you. And Jesus said, would you participate in this to remember and to give thanks? And here we are at the gate, one of many churches around the world, even this morning, saying yes. We are united in this. And I would just ask, I'm just going to give a short prayer because if you feel that this morning that God has spoke to you and need to confess things to him, I want you to be prepared to accept this uh, communion today. So let's just pray for a moment. Lord, we would admit that we are a work in progress. That you are the source and the gardener of our life. And there may be even us now, Lord, we would be honest with you. And you know it already, so we're not hiding something from you. But we're harboring, har- harboring sin, or there's a sin we need to confess because we, we fell. And God, because we're in you and you and us, we're aware of it. We're mindful of it. There was a day when it didn't bother us, but now it does because we see what it costs you. And so, Lord, we would say, forgive me in this. And as you look and see the sincerity of our confession, your word says you are faithful to forgive. And so we thank you for this, God. And I pray, God, that you would speak to us in that area, that we would do, as it says in Hebrews, to throw off every sin that entangles us, that we could run the race. So, Lord, I pray for that part as well. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll ask our servers to come forward.
ask us to stand together, I think, today, if we could. I want you to be mindful as we take this that literally around the world today, tens of thousands of people are doing what we're doing. They'll look different than you. They'll speak different languages than you speak. The churches in which they meet are different. Some are in jungle settings, some are in desert settings, some are in big buildings, some are in small, some are in homes. But they all have this in common. We all have this in common with our brothers and sisters. Jesus and what he has done, what he is doing, and what he wants to do for us in our life. And so we're joining a world of believers today. And we're remembering that Christ died on the cross and he said, this is my body which is broken on that cross for you. Eat and remember. And before Jesus went to the cross, he said to his disciples, he says us today, this represents my blood shed for you. My life was given for you. Drink this and give thanks. And Father, we give thanks. And we remember. Lord, this is not just a a religious ritual. This is our heart crying out to you. Thank you for your generosity because we do not deserve what you've given us. Your grace is offered to us because we cannot save ourselves. So you went ahead and did it for us. And that kind of love just amazes me. That you paid the price that I could not pray. I'm I'm incapable of paying, paying it. But you were without sin, and so you went and paid it for me. And I thank you today for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.